This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I am uh, speaking about something that's potentially controversial. Um, I'm sure you're, uh, the, the title of my sermon has, has piqued your interest. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, I think let, let, me, let me just start by... By praying for us, um, just to, to make sure that uh, we still, you still know that we believe in God here um, and we believe uh, in church. Let's pray. Father God, we, we just welcome you here, Lord. Uh, thank you for, for the honor of coming into your presence, Lord. Thank you that you, are, that you are with us here this morning. And Father, we just we open our hearts to you. We invite you in, Lord. We give you access to our hearts and minds this morning. Lord, we pray that you come and challenge us, Lord, and and, and change us, Father God. We just welcome you in. We say, have your way here among us. Jesus, let your name be glorified. Let your, let your word be spoken, Father God. May you speak this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I am, um, I am an, admin- an administrator on our Show for East London Facebook page. Uh, so that means that whenever somebody likes, comments, shares, or posts anything uh, to do with Shofar, I get to see it. Okay, so be careful what you post. I'm watching. But uh, there was somebody um, in East London who, who posted this um, onto their own uh, personal Facebook page. Uh, this was uh, two weeks ago, uh, a Saturday before um, a Sunday service. Um, and she said she wants to try Shofar Church tomorrow. Okay, so I, she didn't tag so far as you can see. Um, so we, we, this could have really flown under the radar. There were 18 comments, um, and, and one of them, in, in one of them, a lady tagged Shofar East London. So that's how this kind of came onto our radar. But I want to show you some of these comments here. So give everyday people a bash. We'll be lovely to see you. She responds, oh wow, sounds awesome. Yeah, why not? Highway community is another. Come join us at Calvary. Really a nice bunch of people. You will feel welcome from the time you enter the door. Lifehouse Church is amazing. You won't be sorry. Old Gunnibi Farmers Hall Avenue. Shofar East London is a lovely church and have lovely children's activities too and have a lovely bunch of people. I miss my Shofar Church. The pastor and his wife are lovely, amazing. Full stop. Lovely family. I love Shofar. And then just for uh, some comedic relief, uh, special mention, go to those two. Bummer, it's so far away. Uh, and Sean Connery himself, so far, so good. <laughs> so someone in town posts on their Facebook page that they'd like to visit a local church. And I'm not too sure what I, what I expected to, to see in the comments. I, I don't know what I really expected to, to read there, but I kind of feel that there would have been a little bit more celebration of the decision to go to church, um, a little more encouragement to follow through. Like, that's so cool. Uh, you know, let us know how it goes. A bit of follow-up. Follow you know, how was it? How did you experience it? Um, maybe even some of us from Shofar could have hopped on and said, hey, that's awesome. I'm coming Sunday, I'll pick you up, or I'll, I'll meet you, let's have a cup of coffee, something like that. But instead, what, what follows is, is a slew of Christian salesmen, all peddling their wares. No, come to us, you'll feel more welcome here. 
We have lovely people. You'll slot right in. Our, our church is amazing. You won't be sorry. Come along. We have great children's activities. We have all these wonderful things. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking what happened here because I, th- I think that if, if I was an active Facebooker, which I'm not, I po- possibly also would have posted on this. And I also, I also would have hopped on and maybe tried to outright the others. You know, oh, you think, you think that church is welcome? Come to us. You'll feel so welcome when you walk in the door. We have, we have coffee. We have cafe quality coffee in the foyer. You have to come to us. We have comfortable seating, a whole first row of cushioned, <laughs> of cushioned chairs and they're black. And, and, and we have a beautiful glowing beehive behind us. Who has that? You'll love it here. And, and I love to see this. You know, I love to see that, that the community loves their church. It's beautiful to see that we want people to come to our church. And I want the same. I love my church. I, I wish that everyone could come here. I wish that everyone could, could feel welcome and to, and to feel loved and to, and to grow and, and just to feel the way I do about this house. So it's, it's beautiful for me to see this. I'm definitely not, not knocking anybody for this because, I, as I say, I think I would probably add my voice to it. But, but what it, it highlights for me is, is a problem with our age. What it highlights is that we've become more of spiritual consumers. We find ourselves in the department store, in the spiritual home section, and we're browsing the shelves for something that we like, something that fits, something that piques our interest. Well, this looks good. I think this will work for me. I want to be able to feel good. I want to look good. I want to feel welcome. It's all about me. What, what do I want? When, when, I want something that's going to suit me. And here's the, here's the last comment on that post. Where did you go in the end? Nowhere. Nowhere eh? We're not called to be spiritual consumers. God calls us to be spiritual contributors. We need to stop going to church, and we need to start being the church. God is not calling us to come to a building and to fill a seat. He is calling us to be the church. Yet we want, we want what we want. We want what suits us. And if we, if we don't want it, despite many options, we just don't go. We don't make the effort. God's highest calling for you and me is not to go to church. That was never his intention. His calling was for us to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Because there is a world outside that is hurting and broken and bound and oppressed and addicted right outside of those doors of the very building that we sit in. And we are called to be the church. We are called to be the church of Jesus. The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. So how do you start to be the church? You get planted. You stop just coming to a building, but instead you get planted in the house of the Lord. Where does this, where does this imagery come from? 
Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. So let's start there with that, with that word flourish. What does that mean? Not exactly an everyday word for many of us. I know I don't, I don't use the word flourishing very often. Um, if you were to ask me, you know, hey, how are you doing today? I wouldn't say flourishing, darling. It's just not something I would necessarily roll off my tongue. Uh, if, you, if you're in the gym and you, you're pushing iron there with your, with your buddy and he's, and he's maxing out there on his, on his one rep max, you're not going to say, bro, your pecs are flourishing, man. You might lose a gym partner there. Flourishing isn't really a word that we use, but it's a great image for where we get planted in the house of the Lord. What does it mean? It means thriving. It means growing. It means prospering. It means being a blessing. It means having spiritual growth. We are flourishing. And the psalmist then compares it to two trees. He says flourishing like the palm and flourishing like the cedar. So cedar trees are, are known for their durability. They're a really tough tree, and, and they're pleasant to look at and pleasant to smell. Many of you have probably smelled a, a cedar wood oil. Really, really beautiful smell. So Solomon, when he built his temple, he built the columns, the posts, the beams, and the roof all out of cedar wood because he built a place that he wanted to last for centuries. Cedar is a durable wood. If you have a, a cedar wood chest of drawers, uh, it's a beautiful wood and actually really, really smells nice even in, in that form. So when we be compared to a flourishing like a cedar, we're saying we're flourishing and we're going to be durable. We're going to be long-lasting. We're going to be pleasing, attractive. We will attract people to us when we are flourishing. Also, we all flourish like a palm. Okay, what is the palm branch? It's symbolic of triumph and victory. In the early Olympic Games, the winner of something, the gold medalist, would receive a palm branch. That is the sign of the victory. You have won. When Jesus, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, that was known as the triumphal entry. Here comes the king. And what did they do? They waved palm branches and laid palm branches for him to, to ride on. The righteous will flourish. How are you doing? Bro, I'm flourishing. I'm blessed. I'm thriving. I'm growing. I'm strong. I'm stable. I'm pleasing. I'm attracting those around me. I'm victorious. I'm strong. There is life in me. There is fruit. How are you doing? I'm flourishing. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Who's going to flourish? Does scripture say that those who go to church will flourish? No. It's those who are planted in the house of the Lord that will flourish in the courts of God. And I love the imagery. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will, yeah, amen. They will stay fresh and green. That's encouraging to me even because I see a lot more gray than green these days. They will proclaim the Lord is upright and he is my rock. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they're flourishing. They're blessed. They're prospering. They're connected. They're engaged. They're making a difference. They're fulfilled. They are flourishing. I think, unfortunately, for many of us, even if flourishing was a word we used, it was part of our vocabulary, 
if I were to ask you, how's your spiritual life? How many of us will say, it's flourishing? I think many of us will say, spiritually, I'm actually really dry. And instead of saying, I'm thriving emotionally, you will say, emotionally, I'm withering. Instead of saying, I'm connected relationally, you will say, I'm relationally barren. Instead of saying, I'm prospering financially, with breathing room to be a blessing, you'll say, actually, financially, I'm I'm really, really struggling. Instead of saying, my life is fulfilled, I'm making a difference, I'm full of joy, I know my calling, you might say, I'm still searching, I'm still longing for, holding out for that thing, that relationship, that position, that status. I'm holding out for that one thing still to be fulfilled. I don't have it. I go to church, but I'm not flourishing. Because those who are planted are those who flourish, not those who just go. So what do we need to recognize here? We need to see that our life is a seed. Okay, what does that mean? What do we know about a seed? A seed has tremendous potential. A seed has the potential to to grow, to multiply, to be a blessing, to bear fruit. But a seed that is not planted takes all that potential and throws it away. It wastes it all. An unplanted seed is unproductive, it's dormant, it's unfruitful, it's dissatisfied. Your life is a seed. So let's look at a couple of principles about planting and the seed. Number one, a seed can only grow if it's planted. Remember who flourishes? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. So Jesus shares a, a parable in, in Matthew 13, known as the parable of the sower. Many of us will know it. Um, verse 4 says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. You see in the metaphor, so many of us have potential. We have the potential for something so much more than the life we're living. But we fall on hard soil. We fall on the path. And we have no opportunity for our roots to go down. We don't get planted, and as a result, we die. We wither. There is nothing, nothing happens with that seed. Others of us, we, we get planted, and we begin to put down roots. But the moment a trial comes, the moment the sun comes up, moment that the heat gets turned up, we wither and we die. Others, we fall in decent soil, our roots go down quickly, and we start to grow, we start to thrive, but then the thorns come, the worries, the concerns of life, the bills keep coming, and we get lost in all of that, distracted by the world. But then Jesus said that others... Their seed, the seed falls onto good soil, and there's growth, and there's a massive blessing that comes, 30, 60, 100 times multiplication. 
That's the benefit of being planted. Who is it that flourishes? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. I keep repeating that. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, it's them who flourish, not just the ones who come to church. A seed can only grow if it's planted. Number two, going to church isn't the same as being planted. Scripture doesn't say those who go to church will flourish. It says those who are planted will flourish. You know, and there's a, a real difference in these two things, and you can hear it in, in mom and dad's conversation on a, on a Friday afternoon after a long week. Dad says, what's the plan for the weekend? And mom says, well, Jack's got a, a rugby match in the morning, and Sally's best friend is having a birthday party in the afternoon, and there's still that kitchen cupboard that you promised to fix that you haven't got to for weeks. And then my parents are coming over for supper tonight. And dad says, so are we going to church tomorrow or on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're pretty busy. It's kind of busy weekend. I could really do with a line, a late breakfast. And we really need to prioritize the kids. You know, we have to have a good family day. Uh, we can leave it. When you are planted in the house of the Lord, the answer to the question, are we going to go to church? will always be yes. In fact, that question probably will stop coming up. Because when you're planted in the house of the Lord, church is not just a destination. Church is not just a building. Church is not something that we just come to. You are the church. We are the church. And we will structure the rest of our lives around that. The cupboard door can stay unfixed. We're going to church. Jack doesn't have to play rugby. We're going to church. Your parents can sort themselves out. We're going to church. Structure things around going to church, around being here in the house of the Lord, being planted in his house. Because God's church isn't a part of our lives. It is our lives. Do you wake up and turn to your kids and say, hey, guys, should we eat today? Want some food? How about oxygen? Should we breathe? Who wants to breathe today? No, it's part of who we are. Of course, it's something we have to do. It's something we thrive and survive on. We flourish when we are planted in the house of the Lord. Otherwise, we die. Our word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, meaning to gather or an assembly. Um, But very literally, the word ekklesia, when broken down in ek, means, not J, but ek <laughs> means out, and klesia means called. We are quite literally the called out ones. So we gather together here to be unified. We gather here to be strengthened. We gather here to be taught. We gather here to put roots down. We gather here to serve one another so that we can go out, so that we can be strengthened and equipped to go out and be the church outside of these four walls. The church does not exist for us. When we're followers of Christ, we realize that we as a church exist for the world. And there's a massive massive difference between coming here and just getting under this roof, coming into this building, and actually taking up the mission and the vision and the calling and movement of the church. Let me give you two scenarios. Person A and person B. Person A 
arrives here, they get welcomed at the door, someone chats to them, asks them how they're doing, they feel, they feel welcome, they feel loved. They come in and, and the worship starts and despite the crazy lady flagging in the corner, uh, there's a song that gets sung and it really touches them and something is going on and, and then the preacher gets up and, and, and delivers a sermon and it's straight, straight to their heart. They think it's straight for them and they feel convicted but they feel loved and then there's a call to respond and they come forward and they don't really know what's going on but, but they say, okay, okay, Lord, I'll surrender. I'll give it all to you. But then what person A doesn't do is they don't connect. They make no relational connections. They don't stay for coffee. They don't chat to anybody. They come in, come in and out the doors week after week. They don't engage in the worship. They're purely spectators, seat warmers. And in a few years' time, all of a sudden, the attendance starts to dwindle. The marriage is on the rocks. The kids are disillusioned. They're financially struggling. And eventually they wither and fade away. Person B comes to church, walks through the doors, get welcomed. Someone chats to them. They feel loved. Song starts. really touches them. Speaks to them. The preacher gets up, preaches a sermon that goes directly to their hearts. Feel like every word is directed at them. There's a call that goes out. They respond, come forward, surrender their lives to the Lord. And then what they do is they make a few connections. They stay for coffee. And they chat a bit. And, and next minute they join a life group. And all of a sudden they're praying for someone and someone is praying for them. Then they begin to serve. They begin to realize that they've got gifts and talents and they start to sow into the house. They start to get planted. They come time and time again. They begin to embrace their new identity as someone who's part of the church. They take on the identity of the church. They get planted and they send down their roots. So what happens when you get planted? Let me give you three things. When you're planted, your roots grow deep. We can go to Jeremiah 17, verse 8, and it says, They are like trees planted along a riverbank, with roots, roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. How many tree people here? Budding botanists? Okay, awesome. Not, a, okay, not that far. All right. A flora fundi, at least. Okay. I like trees a lot. Um, I'm, I regularly go to Hogsback. Um, how many of you have been down into the Arboretum at Hogsback on the way to 39 Steps Waterfall? Okay, not too many. If you uh, go slightly off the beaten track, you will find yourself amongst the Californian redwoods, giants of the forest. The Californian redwood is the largest living organism on the planet. Some of those trees can grow to 110 meters in height. The, the, the highest recorded tree is about 119 meters. Their diameters are between 5 to 9 meters, and the bark is 30 centimeters thick. They're known as, as the fireproof tree, 
just because of that bark. If it gets to the middle, it's pretty combustible, but it has that outer shell that protects it. But it's what's going on underneath the surface that makes the difference. 30 meters of roots those trees put down. And they're not just alone. Redwoods grow together. And what happens? They send their roots out and they start to join. So their strength comes from those alongside them. Not only do their roots hold themselves up, but they hold each other up. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what church should be? Those who are planted send out their roots that support themselves, that also support those around them, and they in turn receive support. And what happens then? You're not affected by what's going on up here because your roots go down deep. I was chatting to Gideon after the service, and he said there was even a study by uh, in a university that says that, uh, and I'd heard this before, that when in, in that kind of ecosystem, in that root system, the trees can even communicate to each other. And if there is one that is needing more nutrients or more help, they actually send that their way. They strengthen a tree. That's so beautiful. And I've seen it happen too. I've seen it happen this in, in community. Because I'll tell you what, that this life is going to throw something at you at some point. Opposition will come. Might be this week. Might be next year. You never know, but something is going to come. And I'll tell you what, the devil does not care that you are here this morning. He doesn't care that you're in church. He cares if you get planted. And he wants you to think that getting planted is not that important. Not something you need to do. You can keep coming to church. You can keep coming to the building. Because then the devil knows that you are isolated, and in that place you are vulnerable, and he can attack you. I need you, and you need me. We need the gifts and talents of every single person in this house. We are the church together. When we get planted, we allow ourselves to put roots down, roots that grow deep, and then we can support one another. When roots grow deep, what happens? Let's go back to our scripture. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Number two, you can handle all seasons. When we're planted, we are not bothered at all by what's going on up there. We're not bothered by the heat. and We're not bothered by long months of drought. Because you're connected to a source that is way greater than the problems you face. My leaves are always green. Most of you will know, I walked through a season where I lost my wife to, to cancer two years ago. And you know what the number one thing that I hear is? How did you do it? How did you remain standing? How did you stay so strong? How can you, I would, I would be a mess. I don't know how you did it. Simple. I'm planted. It's as simple as that. I'm planted in a church where my roots go deep, in a community where I get supported, in a place where my source is not external, it's internal. I get my strength from somewhere else. 
I'm not affected by the seasons. I'm not affected by the heat. How many of us are feeling some heat? I'm not affected by that. I'm not affected by a long season of drought. And I'm supported by those around me. Number three, you never stop producing fruit. When your roots grow deep, deep, they produce fruit. Let's go back to our scripture. With roots that reach reach deep in the water, such trees are not bothered. We're not bothered by the heat, not worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What is fruit? The Apostle Paul speaks of this in, in, in Galatians 5, and he calls it the fruits of the Spirit. This is not natural things. This is not gifts and talents of us that we have. This is stuff, this is supernatural stuff that comes from God. And when we're connected to the vine, then we receive these fruits. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When you're planted, these things start to come up, even in tough seasons, even when the heat is turned up, even when things are looking dry. Rion shared this morning, things are dry. Are you in a dry place? What's coming up? Are, there, are you bearing fruit? Is there evidence that the fact, of the fact that you're planted? Even in a difficult season, love should still come out. Joy should emerge. You can consider it pure joy when trials come against you. God is doing something special. And then you recognize that these fruits are not just for you. You see that your, your love is blessing others. That your joy is infectious. That your peace is attractive. That your faithfulness is starting to build relationships. And then you welcome someone. You encourage them in church and you get feedback. Or you miss a, a week at life group. And all of a sudden you get a message to say, hey, we missed you. Where were you? And you start to realize, hey, I'm putting roots down in this place. I'm needed here. This is my family. I'm known and I am loved. I am planted in the house of God. And then you recognize, I'm not just saved from my sins. For the glory of God, I am saved to make a difference in this world. There is such a difference between going to church and realizing that you are called to be planted in the house of the Lord. I want to invite you this morning to plant yourself in the house of the Lord. If this is your house, if you're visiting us, that's fine. Go, go back next week and get planted there. But get planted somewhere. This is not about shofar. This is not about what, what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. We want you to get plugged in, to get planted. So we have our home encounter course, which, which Ashlyn mentioned, and, and just so beautiful to, to hear her story. Something she said is that her life has changed in all areas. She's grown in all areas. This is not about church and serving This is about being the church. This is about growing into your identity, something that God has for you. So we're going to share a bit about who we are as a church, as she said. It's an opportunity to to, to really get planted, to get plugged in, to become a member, if if that's what you want to do. And I would encourage that. You know, I'm I'm very passionate about this because I'm a product of this process. I owe so much of my growth to, in my life, not just spiritual growth, to being planted in a local church. I arrived fresh out of the world, lost and broken. 
I'd, I'd just been part of the world and been completely neutralized. I had no confidence in who I was. I had no idea who I was. I was comparing myself to so much rubbish in the world. And I remember I joined uh, Dion and Quibus life group uh, when, when we first arrived. And I, was, I just sat there. <laughs> I just sat on the couch. I said nothing. Didn't contribute. I had nothing to give. Don't ask me to pray in front of a group of five people. That's not going to happen. No ways. I've got nothing to give. And just to see the way the Lord has been so faithful through opportunities for me to grow and a belief in who I was, just having my identity unlocked. I started to serve. I started to put down roots. We started ushering. I worked at the back on the, on the media desk. I made myself available for the band. I started to lead a life group, became an elder, got the microphone. Now I pray in front of 100 people. The Lord has truly grown me. He's unlocked my identity. And yours is going to look different. Your path is going to look different. But I believe that when we get planted, when we put our roots down in soil, then our identity, our true identity gets unlocked. And that's not just for you. It's for those around you too. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.